please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 21st of April 2021. It's time for your morning espresso. So um, before we get going, if you're watching live, as ever, we have the instantaneous translations, which you can access by clicking on the button below. We also have a Q&A button there as well, if you would like to send us questions as we go along. You can, of course, always send uh, any queries to Nordea Funds at nordia.com. So to kick off this morning, we are joined by Sebastian Gali, who you will know is our senior macro strategist. So good morning, Sebastian. Good morning. Hi. So Sebastian, um, there's increasing concern about inflation in the US, um, especially you know with the economy reopening after all of the COVID lockdown. So I was just wondering what your take is of the current situation. Well, it's a fascinating situation. If we uh, focus on the first slide, then we have an idea of inflation expectations in the United States as well as in Europe. So if we focus on the United States, it's the gray points at the top where in two years, it's a, a roughly 2.70. Uh, and then it's gently, gently reverts back towards the 2% inflation target in the very long run over 20 to 30 years. And if you focus on this, what it tells you is that the market expects some kind of overshoot, but an overshoot of inflation, which is relatively well contained. The question of course becomes that as the economy reopens and we see potential signs of inflation picking up, for different reasons, a lot of them are very technicals, does inflation start to break above 3%? And the odds are that it's not going to happen. But the fear of it, of course, since gyrations in the US Treasury curve, it steepens, it scares people that last for about two weeks, uh, and then we revert back to where we were. But what it teaches us is what's going to happen to the Eurozone. If we focus on the Eurozone, which are the dots which are below, you have France, Germany, Italy, particularly the Italian curve is, is very rich in data points. And what you can see is they're systematically below 2%. So there's plenty of leeway somewhere after June for a normalization of monetary policy in uh, in the Eurozone to start very gently by tapering an, uh, of the PEP program, which is specific to COVID-19. And as this happened, as better economic data comes in, then we should see all these inflation expectations drift higher. Uh, and as they do, then we should see also the boom curve start to drift somewhat higher. But the ECB is well aware of the danger of tightening too early. So it should be a fairly slow and steady process. Uh, nonetheless, and I think this is a point that which is important to realize is by the end of the summer, liquidity will be relatively low in the various markets, fixed income markets, equity markets and the likes. And an accident is quite likely to, to happen. Yeah, I guess the critical thing here is the velocity of money, because we're already seeing inflation in a lot of the commodities. You know, it, it, we've talked about this in the, in the past, but it's that velocity of money. And as the economies open up, I, I guess the velocity will increase as well. 
Well, it should, and that's what all economists expect. Basically, you have a lot of growth momentum in the U.S. Eventually, the same thing happening in the eurozone. It's a great story waiting to happen, and of course, that velocity of money should increase, and with it, somewhat inflation. But whether it becomes a wage and inflation spiral, that is the big question. And what we know from the past in the United States is a lot of it is not going to happen. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, pull up our summary slide then, and uh, we'll just quickly go through the, the main points from this morning. So um, we're talking about the, the recovery in risk, and uh, you know that should still be buffeted by the, the higher expectations uh, in inflation going forward. And the implication of that is that uh, low duration uh, solutions and flexible solutions on the fixed income side could offer you know a partial hedge to um, a steeper U.S. Treasury. Yeah, and particularly we're quite fascinated by cover bond, obviously from uh, Nordea. Um, but uh, the low duration solutions offers, of course, it's not going to perform perfectly initially, but over time it uh, has a certain tendency to go in the in the right direction because it offers a high quality asset such as equivalent, in, let's say, to to triple A to single A, uh, and uh, and has a nice risk profile. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's something that we've seen here, certainly, is, uh, you know, that money's been migrating across to lower duration um, solutions that we have on the platform. So that's certainly something that, that we're seeing. Then um, we have, like you just said, uh, you know, a long way to go in terms of inflation expectations in Europe. You know, Europe is, is definitely lagging the US in that regard. Um, the implications are that, you know, the, the low duration covered bonds um, could act as a partial hedge um, against a, a higher bund. Indeed, yes. And uh, the, the, there's a very famous general in, uh, in China who once said that thousands of years ago uh, that in times of peace, prepare for war. And that is the, the point of hedging and having a diversified portfolio. So it's, uh, it's, imp it's important to consider your hedges when everything is going fine. Exactly. Good, and with those wise words of wisdom from the Far East, um, we will leave it for this morning. Sebastian, thank you very much for your time and speak to you again soon. Thank you. Great, so now we're gonna move on to the main section. And the idea this morning is that we talk about global green bonds. And for that, I am joined by Teda Rust, who is head of the team who uh, are responsible for our new uh, global green bond strategies. So, Teda, good morning. Good morning to you, Paul. Hi. And we also have Anton Neuquist, uh, who is a senior portfolio manager for the strategy. Hello, Anton. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi. And Anton, you're up in Finland, is that right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, okay. Good. Well, um, so the green bond market is perhaps one of the most dynamic and fast growing segments in fixed income uh, right now and is showing no signs of, of slowing down. And we have this new uh, global green bond strategy, um, which is or will be the most uh, recent addition to our ESG fixed income family. So I wanted to ask you first, Teda, you know, what bonds qualify then as green bonds? 
Mm. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking, Paul. I mean, <laughs> indeed, um, we we have uh, we actually at Nordea we're quite a sizable in, investor in green bonds already, right? I mean, it's just that that basically now what we do we will actually package these uh, these holdings, our expertise, uh, make it available in one in one solution. Right. I mean, so so basically, we have already quite a high degree of familiarity with the with the asset class. And if we if we sh we brought with a slide where we can maybe see when I when I speak about the asset class, actually what green bonds are. I mean, in general, it's super exciting actually to be in fixed income and be part of finding solutions and creating impact on green social and generally sustainability. I mean, what we what we see here is um, is, a, is an, an overview of how one can present the various solutions that are coming more and more to markets and that are actually growing tremendously. So on the one side, we have the activity-based um, bonds and often they're also called use of proceed bonds. So that's green bonds, social bond and sustainability bonds. Maybe mm -hmm. the sustainability bond is actually a combination of green and social, so they can have both. And green and social bonds means that the use of proceeds, so the lending actually that that, um, that occurs with um, the lending and borrowing that occurs when you, when you issue a bond goes to a certain type of projects, right? These can, of course, in the context of social be, um, be for instance, uh, uh, targeting social housing and, and to stay in the housing theme, it can also be with the green bond that the use of proceeds are, for instance, used to, to you know, basically give housing or uh, yeah, construction a better CO2 footprint, right? I mean, that would be an eligible uh, project. And these are the activity-based or use of proceeds bonds and then um, some people nowadays call it even a rainbow of issuance because what you can also have is sustainability linked structures that, that's mm -hmm. on the right hand side the behavior based um, behavior based um, behavior based bond if you want to call it like that which is basically defining things like key performance indicators on um, on um, on the issuer level, right? I mean, an, an example of that could, for instance, be which which is one of our holdings in 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 a solution that we already have. As I mentioned, we we are already quite uh, familiar with this space. Um, yeah. uh, even a cement company that defines CO two reduction um, targets, and and this basically is the whole sustainable debt universe as such. And and our solution will now predominantly go into the green bond area. Okay. So, you know, why should investors consider putting green bonds in their portfolio? What's the rationale behind that? Yeah, I would, I would argue that currently it's probably one of the best tools to quote unquote greenify your portfolio, right? I mean, so <laughs> if, you're, if you're a climate aware, climate conscious investor, you have actually here a solution that has a whole ecosystem around it, right? I mean, you have second party opinions, you have an established uh, taxonomy, the EU is working on a new taxonomy. So you, you basically have a, have a tool that is, um, yeah, that is very well defined. On top of it, you actually have issuers that you're quite familiar with, right? I mean, we also brought a slide with, which we can maybe refer to, but in, to tell a bit of the duration profile and yield profile. But these issuers could, for instance, be the EU uh, states like France, but also even states like in the emerging markets like Egypt, issuing green bonds, right? I mean, so these are not new issuers. And that helps, of course, um, investors to get the degree, the comfortness or the familiarity with um, with those uh, with those issues and then it's one of the it, i mean i, I can't um it's one of the 
the areas where you can replace basically maybe your natural holdings that you already have because if you if you look at your total portfolio maybe from a multi-asset perspective you probably have investments in in your treasuries or in um, investment grade and this is what we're trying to show here on the on the slide right where you see that when it comes to um on the on the left hand side you see the yield levels right i mean where you where you see your treasuries uh, negatively yielding your corporates having a slight positive tilt on 25 basis points and a combination thereof which we feel is similar as to what the the green bond you're running is um, is exhibiting gets you something like three three basis points right and and here you see then that the green bond strategy is in the same yield perspective right so yeah. you basically you're not giving up on yield when you when you finance for instance your green bond investments into the um, into a solution like ours out of your treasures your corporates and then when it comes to the duration picture which is on the in the middle slide you see that basically it's also in the same duration profile as those strategies so so mm -hmm. that means that as an investor you can easily quote unquote take your money out of um, non-impact non-green solutions that have a place in your portfolio into a green bond and the last right. part of the picture is of course the correlation which is which is rather high between those two sectors that i mentioned where you could finance your your green portfolio and actually turn your portfolio much more into an impact type of portfolio when it comes to climate yeah so it's like getting rid of your diesel car and moving on to a hybrid or to electric. Absolutely, great yeah. example. That's yeah. uh, that's essentially actually what you're doing in your in your in your portfolio because the let's say the characteristics of the car bringing you from yeah. A to B are still there, but so, you're doing yeah. it in a just much better format, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, this is a global strategy, um, but you're perhaps better known for running um, the emerging market debt stars. So, is emerging market debt an area you're considering too? Yeah, I think Anton will also go into a bit detail here, but we, we very right. strongly consider that. I think there's also an, an edge that we can bring to the market in in that basically that we are one of the teams where we, we centered also around emerging market thinking. And the point being, of course, that a lot of emission and greenhouse gas or a lot of emission taking place and, and solutions for the future have to be found in these emerging markets, because often when it comes to growth, economic growth, that correlates quite strongly with um, with energy consumption. And to figure this out, basically, we feel that we're very well equipped to, to tackle these issues and analyze the issuance in these markets. Yeah. Okay, so actually, now I'd like to perhaps bring Anton into the conversation because he hasn't had anything to say yet. Um, Anton, perhaps you could uh, describe to us the, the investment process and also um, you know, the ESG framework that you'll be applying um, to this global green bond strategy. Yes, sure, Paul. Uh, so in our, in our strategy, we, we want to combine uh, our, our investment expertise, uh, both on the DM side, developed market side, but also on the emerging market side. Mm -hmm. um, this will be done uh, mainly, mainly via, via bottom-up uh, investing. Uh, looking at, at companies from a bottom-up perspective uh, or, or issuers from a bottom-up perspective, but yeah. uh, also combined with, with the, the top-down macro view uh, that we have uh, within our team. Uh -huh. uh, then in, in terms of the, the ESG framework, uh, we will be 
looking looking at it from both a, a issuer uh, and security level uh, perspective. Uh, so if you look at the, the slide that we brought with us. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, yes, thank you. So, so for for the the issuer level uh, perspective, uh, we're quite uh, quite heavily relying on the, the responsible investment unit, who are actually uh, doing the 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 filtering of our investment universe uh, to find. Uh, uh, the, the companies and, and issuers that are uh, performing on a sufficiently high level uh, uh, from an ESG perspective. What that means uh, is that uh, for, for green bond issuers, uh, we've said that uh, for our strategy, we will only invest in, in issuers that have a STARS uh, rating on the social and governance pillar of at least B minus. Uh, and this is to avoid uh, greenwashing or, or investing in in in, in uh, companies with a with a bad uh, profile, companies that uh, don't have a sufficient uh, strategic ambition within the uh, within the uh, sustainability area. It's, it's uh, important to mention, perhaps, isn't it, that th this isn't a stars. Product. I mean, it's not a dedicated ESG strategy per se, but it does have this integrated element from the responsible investment team using our proprietary in-house rating system that feeds into, into this uh, yes. green bond strategy solution. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. Yes. So we've, uh, we've actually uh, created a, a, a sort of new stars rating, but just based on the SNG criteria for for the green bond issuers here. Yeah. Uh, and then for the the conventional bond issuers, we will be relying on the the conventional stars rating uh, criteria, and uh, and also the fact that the issuers of the conventional bonds have to have a a uh, a non harmful impact on on the UN uh, sustainable sustainable development goals but then if we also look at the the, the security level ESG uh, obviously for, for for green bonds uh, this is this is uh, somewhat uh, taken care of uh, to some extent from based on the fact that the use of proceeds of green bonds can only be used for for a certain uh, certain type of activities that are that are uh, environmentally friendly, mm -hmm. uh, and and this this analysis of 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 of, uh, of the green bond frameworks will be will be uh, within uh, the the investment team uh, trying to uh, to look at the, the the green bond frameworks, evaluating uh, the the use of proceeds and and the strengths of of of, uh, of various various green bond frameworks to avoid avoid uh, avoid any any type of greenwashing activities mm -hmm. and then the two final steps obviously are the the more traditional ones uh, the the cash flow or financial modeling analysis of the issuer uh, and also and also the the the, the relative value analysis 
trying to find the, the most attractively priced uh, bonds and instruments uh, within this investment universe. Yeah, exactly. And, and the risk return is obviously something that's super important. So maybe you could explain to us, you know, what are the main sources um, of risk and, and which tools do you have to, to implement your, your views in this particular solution? Good question. Yeah, so the, 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 the green bond universe is, is quite global. Yeah. Uh, so by construction, uh, the, the, the solution uh, will have a, a global or a exposure to, to, to various uh, business cycles. Uh, and of course, then uh, an exposure to, to multiple currencies, to various yield curves. Uh, and different spreads and, and, and sectors also. Uh, the solution that we're launching here soon uh, will actually be FX hedged to, to euros. So the mm -hmm. FX risk as such is, is taken care of for the, for the investor uh, through that. Yep. Uh, then, uh, then through our investments, uh, we obviously gain gain some some active risk uh, through in both in both uh, interest rates and and spreads and sectors uh, the the majority of of this risk uh, will be managed through our our direct uh, investments our bond investments but uh, but uh, for the duration part we obviously have have the capability to use use uh, both uh, interest rates, futures and, and, and swaps to manage the risk uh, from a tactical perspective. Uh, and then uh, the spread and sector exposure will again be, be mainly, mainly managed uh, through the, the, the bond exposures, but uh, we do have the capability to use uh, derivatives to for for hedging purposes exactly so the, so that's literally just to reduce risk it's not to add alpha in any way exactly it is yeah. it is only to 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 manage the risk yeah so we keep talking in the future tense because uh, this strategy hasn't actually gone live yet um but we're getting very very close so what's the launch date for this strategy yes it is actually it's actually tomorrow, the 22nd <laughs> yes. of April. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one more day to go. Um, I, I guess, you know, we said at the beginning that, the, you know, this is an area of, of a, we're seeing a lot of growth and, and there's a lot of discussion around green bonds right now mm -hmm. in the marketplace um, and, and more and more competition, of course, uh, in, in the space. What do you think that you know that we do differently than than others? And of course, there will be there will be other strategies out there that have already an, an established track record. So, where's our USP? Where where do you think we stand out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's an important question and, and one that I've received uh, before also. And I, and I think uh, uh, I think we we differentiate ourselves. Uh, Mainly, mainly via the the ESG framework we apply, the fact that we uh, we not only look at the the use of proceeds of the green bond issuer, but we also look at the whole 
whole uh, let's say ESG profile of, of the issuing companies and or, or issuing governments. Uh, and then uh, and then on top of that, uh, I think uh, the fact that we have the ability to invest in in these uh, conventional bonds uh, issued by by companies with a very very strong uh, ESG profile and a and a uh, non-harmful contribution to 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 the UN uh, sustainable development goals uh, is, is one strong point for us. Uh, an example from for this could be uh, renew power mentioned there on the top of the slide, uh, which is a a, a Indian. Uh, uh, solar uh, panel producer, uh, which is not issuing green bonds, but but via their business profile uh, is something is an issuer that we, we we think is 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 suitable for for this solution. And then finally, I think as as Teda uh, mentioned also, uh, the fact that we uh, we combine both our expertise in 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 emerging markets and, and developed markets, and, and that we as a team have a, have a strong profile in that area uh, is, is, is a, one of our strengths, I think. Yeah. And of course, Teda, um, you know, taking an engagement approach is something that, that Nordea has, has always done. You know, we don't just exclude names. Uh, we also try and engage um, and try and improve things. Is that something that you'll be doing in the global um, green bond strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of the the package that you get at Nordea. And I mean, and that's also why, why it's actually quite dear to us as investor and maybe very exciting because it's, um, it's a way also to bring capital towards solutions and impact, right? I mean, it's um, with often with ESG solutions and, and, you know, you have sort of exclusion criteria, but here basically you also have an ability to actually work with issues and flag to them as we're doing, for instance, in the case of Brazil on the sovereign side, flag to them that they maybe it's a tool available to them that they can use to, to bring back investors like us, right? I mean, in a quote unquote safe manner with use of proceed bonds, if done and structured well, right? I mean, that is of course, yeah. uh, this is what uh, I think uh, Anton summarized very well, the sort of the criteria we have on the ESG factors, basically that it's not enough to quote unquote, just issue a green bond. I mean, it needs to be part of a, for instance, um, in the case of Brazil, a good strategy to, to generally address biodiversity and deforestation. In the case of a corporate, maybe Paris alignment um, and so on, right? I mean, so we don't just want to blindly buy green bonds. I mean, we want to look at are these companies moving in the right directions? Are these countries moving in the right direction? And then if they're not, we want to be a voice and engage and help them or support them trying to figure out how can we reach these goals, basically. Mm. Yeah, and I've, I've said this before, but I'll say it again, because, you know, every time we spend hard earned cash, you know, every time we, we spend a euro or, or a pound, we are voting on the future. Um, and that goes for investments as well. You know, every time you invest, uh, you're deciding on, on, on the future direction of the planet, actually. And uh, I think, you know, with solutions like this, we're steering things uh, perhaps in, into a better, brighter future than using traditional methods. Absolutely. 
Good. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap up uh, now. Is there anything you would like to say uh, before we, we close this morning? No, we, I mean, we're looking forward to, to working with our clients in, 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 in building this, this strategy also. And I think it will be exciting. Exactly. Teda, anything to, to close? Uh, no, actually just reiterating what, uh, what Anton said. It's exciting to launch the strategy and we're looking forward to working with our clients to find solutions in the space. Excellent. Yeah, I, you know, we, we've putting out feelers now and uh, I, think, I think this is one that uh, our clients will appreciate going forward. And, and of course, you and the team have an um, excellent track record on other solutions that you offer. So um, look forward to seeing how, how you get on with this one. So thank you both uh, for joining us this morning and uh, look forward to catching up with you perhaps in six months and we can have a look and see how things are going. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. So next week on Wednesday, the 28th of April, um, we will be taking a look at Joe Biden's first 100 days in office. We'll be looking at what he has done, maybe also what he hasn't done, um, and drawing conclusions from that. So don't miss uh, next week's Morning Expresso. In the meantime, you can always visit our Stay Alert uh, website. Uh, you'll find that at nordia.lu. And there we have all of the previous interviews that we've done. We also have podcast versions of those in the various languages as well. And of course, we also have nordiaassetmanagement.com uh, uh, where you can also uh, find plenty of information. That's it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday.